Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hello. And each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, grab a drink, and join us. So what's up, guys? We're finally doing an episode. Yeah. Long time no see. <laughs> And today is a weird day. We're not actually drinking. I mean, we're drinking water, but we're not drinking because it's after midnight and we have to wake up in like five hours because we've got an early morning. So hopefully the the mood is set and it's still creepy even without a cocktail in front of us. I think it'll probably creep me out more because, you know, everyone gets a little brave when they start drinking. And they're like, this isn't scary at all. But now there's no filter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just well, me. Before we jump into our regular stories... I want to tell you about a rather bizarre thing that happened to us last week, which is also conveniently appropriate for the subject matter of our podcast. I've been doing a lot of gardening and yard work recently in an attempt to slowly turn our empty Xeriscaped yard into a little piece of paradise. (laughs) Well, I was preparing an area for our pumpkin patch. We grew pumpkins last year, but I needed to fix it up and make it better this year. And I just started digging down, tilling up the soil. And as I was getting deeper, I started finding these large, flat slabs of stone, the kind that people buy for decorative purposes, but you you have them on the surface. So I don't know why they were down there. And so I was slowly removing these. And then as soon as I removed one of the big paver stones, I noticed something underneath that looked a little bit weird to me. <laughs> it was a bone, a very old bone. And it's been many years since Lily or I took our osteology classes, but looking at it, I wasn't quite sure what sort of bone it was. It looked about the size and length of, like, an adult metatarsal, which are the long bones that would be in your foot. But not, like, exactly, or at least not exactly Not like to our them. untrained eye. We wouldn't have been able to tell. But, like, the size was right. Exactly, exactly. And it was, it was really decayed. Two parts were falling apart. So I was like, I'm not really sure what the bone was supposed to look like and mm-hmm. what we were seeing. It was, it was kind of a problem. The more I thought about it, I was thinking maybe it was, like, a femur from a small animal, like a cat or a tiny dog. And so I I came in, told you about it, and brought you out (laughs) so you could take a look at it. And while I was showing you that bone, you look over and you're like, what's that? And I hadn't even noticed it. There were two other much larger bones. Bones, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, there's a lot of bones. But those bones were white and, like, bright white bleach. So they they were, like, newer. Yeah, they didn't look as as worn down. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And those didn't look like human bones at all. No, they looked like tiny rib bones, but not, like, a child. Not super tiny, but, but yeah. they thin, too. And when I looked online, I was like, okay, those kind of look like dog or cat rib bones or something, maybe. And then we kept finding other bones. (laughs) And I was thinking, okay, well, we have different decay rates. That's kind of weird. Or maybe... Maybe they were two different instances of bones buried in the same area or something to do with uh, how it was exposed to different things means some bones were decaying quicker than others and maybe it was all from one thing. I'm not sure. So you and we both kind of said, ah, we think maybe it's a pet. And, you know, just as a heads up to all of you, everyone like seems to bury pets in the backyard. That seems pretty normal. That's a normal thing. But just be careful because if you ever get caught... Most people do it wrong. Each state has kind of their own rules. Some some states it is illegal. It is legal in our state, but you have to go like five feet deep and it can't be near a property wall. And I this was mean, neither of those. Most people wouldn't get caught. Yeah. It's not like we're squealing. We're not going to like be like, we know which owner it was. We actually don't. No, we don't. We don't. But it gets a little more complicated than that. 
we were just a little bit worried because the bones looked a little bit weird that we decided I'm going to call like, what was it like 311 or something? Animal control or something? Yeah. And I said, hey, I think I found bones to an animal, but I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure what to do. And they said, whenever you find bones, you have to call the police non-emergency number. And I'm like, oh, I didn't want to do that, but okay, I'll do it. So I called them up and they're like, no, absolutely. We, Whenever their bones are there, we try to investigate them. We'll have an officer come out. And I figured maybe they didn't even mean today, but like within an hour, a police officer yeah i was like wow that's uh, for a non-emergency that's pretty quick response in my opinion i don't know so he comes by and he's like sitting there looking at him and i'm I'm watching his face to see what his reaction was and it wasn't like oh yeah this is animals he was just sitting there looking at him the more he looked (laughs) at him he was like huh he's like i don't know and i was like yeah that doesn't make me feel very good yeah so he's he started taking pictures of them and i'm like okay I'm getting more nervous. And he goes, I have to send them to our uh, forensic anthropologist. And he's like, and I'll let you know. And he just walks back out to his car. And I'm, you know, sitting in the house. Like, it was probably only like 45 minutes, but it felt like forever. And while I was sitting there, all these doomsday scenarios were going through my head of like, (laughs) what horrible things may have happened that I didn't know and were there. Could have been a person. Because one of the bones, when the officer was there, uh, he said, maybe we should dig some more. And we dug some more, and then and then we got two pieces of the same bone, and it looked like it could have been 10 inches long, maybe more. It was like a is, much bigger piece, yeah. Yeah, which could have been like 25 centimeters, something like that wouldn't have belonged to a small animal. It could have belonged to a big animal or a human. <laughs> and, I, and I started to get really, really nervous we at that point. We are big animals. Yeah. So I'm sitting there imagining all these horrible things, and then eventually the officer comes up to the door, and he rings the doorbell, and I swear, like I'm quoting him as as best as I can remember. All he said when he when I walked out is, "Well, your house isn't haunted." <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "The anthropologist told me they're not human bones, yeah. so you're good." And and we you know said our pleasantries. I thanked him for coming over because he was being very polite and very nice, uh, very professional. But I wanted more information. I wanted to talk to the. Forensic anthropologist, yeah. I want to know, like, well, do you know what bones they are? Can you tell me a little bit why they have, like, different decay Does it look like they're from multiple things? Because, I mean, do I have a pet cemetery in my backyard? Right, that's a big thing. I'm like, why are there so many different kinds of bones? So we might actually have a mini pet cemetery thing going on. I don't know what happened to these pets, but they're in our yard. And I think what kind of really upset me was when the officer said, well, you know, if you keep digging and you find, like, a skull that isn't an animal, he's like, then call us back. And I was like, what kind of a thing is that to say to me? So casual, and then bye. <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah, Thanks so. Thanks for the information. The funny thing is that this whole ordeal is that we grew pumpkins in that area last year, and we plan to do it again. And we still plan to do it again going forward. So I can't think of anything more Halloween than pumpkins grown over a graveyard. I mean... I think it's perfect. I don't know. Exactly. But I have to admit, I feel like I want to dig out the area more just, you know, to settle in my brain. Any doubt? That said, I haven't touched it since. It kind of bothers me. (laughs) So I'll figure it out. I'll get to it. But, you know, what are the odds that that's going to happen to someone like me? Probably pretty good because I I seem to have weird luck like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, if I didn't have such a disdain for digging, I probably would have done it already because that doesn't bother me as much. But... I have to dig <laughs> and I don't like that. So I mean, it's just like really annoying and it's always windy. I don't know if anyone likes digging. There's a reason it's punishment in the military. That's true. Like you have to dig a hole and then fill it in. But see, people are willing to do it. I mean, you did. 
Yes, because it had to be done. <laughs> I mean, I wish there were alternate ways to do it. Like, if I could have just lit it on fire, the wow. ground instead, I would have done that. I mean, my only, uh, I guess, advice would have been you should have married somebody who was willing to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was I made a bad choice. You apparently. did. I mean, I made the right choice, but here we go. Well, that was my little preface story, and I think it's time that we roll into Lily's story for this episode. Okay, so let me get into it. So my story is the King Island Amusement Park. So King Island is located in Mason, Ohio, about 24 miles northeast of Cincinnati. It was built because originally it was meant to um, relocate the Coney Island water park that already existed. Wait, 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 like Coney Island, New York? See, that's what I thought too. And I'm like, what? Is happening, but yeah, I didn't think Coney Island was a water park. It was just like a like a. It's just a beach or whatever. Well, well, but I mean, it has like amusement attractions. But exactly, I didn't think it, was a it water does. Park, it has like know? a Ferris wheel and crap yeah. like that. Uh, no, no, no. So this one is like the water park that is also located in Ohio, which just is, shares the same name. Yeah. Okay. I don't actually know why. There's probably some sort of like. Hey, we we live thing. in New Mexico where we have a place called Las Vegas and. Whenever people say they're going to Las Vegas, we always have to clarify, <laughs> you're going to real Vegas or fake Vegas? I don't clarify. I'm like pretty sure which one they're going to. <laughs> it's both a gamble. One is you can gamble and make money in real Vegas, or you're gambling at your safety at fake Vegas. <laughs> what safety? It's just it's just a weird little town. All right. I've never been there, but I believe you. Okay. So um, like I said, it was a water park also in Ohio, not too far off, uh, about 30 minutes apart. And this is because it was having, like, yearly flooding issues. It was costing a lot of money. And they're mm. like, screw it. If we're going to pay this much money every year, we might as well build something new. Well. I can't think of a better place <laughs> for a water park than an area that floods. Just I know. saying. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's free water. Save a fortune on Yeah. <laughs> so, in total, the amusement park um, is 364 acres, including its own 33-acre water park. Because what ended up happening is not moving the Coney Island water park. And they were just like, we'll just make it its own thing. And then keep the other water park where it is so nothing was resolved <laughs> i don't know how these sounds people like are government decisions. spending exactly um oh and then another important detail speaking of our little blurb earlier is that the park was built right next to a cemetery hmm. that has existed since the mid 1800s which is one of the reasons why people believe this place is haunted oh, it makes sense exactly but also Numerous deaths have occurred since it opened in April 29th, 1972. Wait, wait. I I do want to hear about the deaths, but I yes. I just want to clarify. Are you telling me the cemetery flooded? Okay, so the flooding was occurring at the water park. The, but isn't it right next to the cemetery? It's about... No, no, no. This is the King's Island. Oh, uh, okay. It's located by the cemetery. Because I can't think of anything more disgusting than <laughs> a flooded cemetery. Mmm, human juice. Because didn't that actually happen in France and it was like... It was one of the reasons they started doing the catacombs. Ah, that's a whole other story. We'll get there. I don't know. All right, tell Probably. me about the deaths. Okay. Um, and also, I just want to say, obviously, to be fair, not to just attack Kings Island or whatever, but most amusement parks, when they first open, they're going to experience some disasters. Some you know, some injuries. Pains to make some it sound inhuman. Un- unfortunately, um, it's just like something that happens. So I guess I'm just saying that this amusement park is no exception. Sure. Warning, uh, some of these deaths are a bit gruesome and graphic. So be prepared if you are a sensitive listener or there are sensitive listeners near you. Exactly. Here are the deaths and ghosts. 
The first one is the girl in the blue dress. Long before the theme park was open, a little girl around five years old drowned on the property and was buried in the nearby cemetery in the 1800s. People have reported sightings of a little girl ever since the park was opened. She's about four feet tall and is always wearing 19th century style clothing, uh, specifically a blue dress. She's usually spotted or heard either in the parking lot, the front gate, or in the international restaurant. Hmm which is where uh, most ghost hunters go to capture her EVPs. According to said ghost busters and hunters and whatnot, she is a very uh, active and responsive ghost. But is she, is she malicious? No, actually everyone says that she's really nice and basically harmless. You might just see her, she might wave, if you even see the apparition. She digs hanging out at the theme park or whatever. Yeah, she's having a good time, I think. Nice. Uh, tram drivers report sightings more often than anyone else, thus earning the girl the nickname by the staff members within the workers or whatever as Tram Girl. So they call oh. her Tram Girl, or she's also known as the girl in the blue dress. All right. But yeah, not much more information on her. It's just that she had drowned. She was young. She's still there. All right. Another incident that happened is the safari incident. This one I got out of the Fascinating Horrors. It's a YouTube channel. They did a really good job. I got some of uh, another story from them as well. And I just wanted to make sure that I put the source on it because it's where I got a lot of information from it. Sure, sure. The safari area used to be located on the north side of the park. It was basically a zoo. It had exotic animals like lions, elephants, a zebra. You know the drill. Except you didn't walk around. Instead, there was a monorail that took you around to view the area of the animals as they roamed freely. For precaution, there were rangers stationed all around with guns to protect the guests and themselves. By this point, the safari ride had been running smoothly for about two years and was quite successful. But on July 24, 1976, 20-year-old John McCann, who worked there as a ranger, was found dead inside the lion enclosure. It was a very gruesome sight, and the more the other rangers investigated, the less it made sense why McCann died. The jeep he drove was found inside the lion's enclosure as well, but he had left his gun and radio inside, something that the other rangers wouldn't have done. McCann's blood splatter pattern suggested that he was mauled in an area nearby. But did they find his body? No, I don't think. I think they might have found chunks. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Bits of him were found. Something might have been found. Uh, But based on the smears on the ground, he did manage to get back to the Jeep before dying from his wounds. So they could kind of see how he maneuvered and where most of the trauma might have occurred initially. But ultimately, he was taken away by the lines. Investigators interviewed family, friends, and other staff members who were adamant it was not suicide. Investigators learned from coworkers, though, that McCann had often been careless when maintaining the animals, even when he was in the lion enclosure. For example, he liked petting the animals on the head. <laughs> <laughs> he would sometimes tug on their tails. Yes, even the lions. He'd casually walk around the enclosures without his gun, even though he, was, he had been warned multiple times. So some people already knew this was like occurring, while others were baffled. So it sounds like a little bit of the F around and find out kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. There was also a previous incident uh, with a lion that he had when he allowed it to climb on top of his Jeep. As the lion was climbing, his arm accidentally slipped between the bars and slashed McCann's neck and he needed multiple stitches. It was concluded that it was not the park's fault and the attraction remained open until 1993. So, Interesting. Yeah, people were not worried for themselves. I mean, being on the monorail, you're fine. Yeah. 
And I think the Rangers understand the severity of the situation. You don't just go in there and try to touch the animals. It's not a petting zoo. Yeah, so it's kind of... He was just very trusting, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So here is the next story. And I'm also telling you these horrible stories because these kind of scared me too. Like a lot of these amusement park disasters to to me this is part of the horror but there is some supernatural stuff well but there's something to to say about going to a place that's supposed to be like a fun happy place that's designed Everyone's just laughing and then knowing a lot of people died there i mean there's a reason disney refuses to let people be declared dead on disney property, property. even though plenty of people have died on disney land and disney world property they're not declared dead like even if off. it's not part of the rides like they just had a oh i don't think it's like, ever been for something crazy like no. uh i there was like one kid who like had a i think a heart attack on one of the rides but he had a congenital heart defect or something. right like, like that's no one yeah yeah fault. it wasn't because there was like a faulty ride or anything but he still wasn't declared until afterwards like right. you have to maintain that image and so <laughs> if i go to a park and i've heard like eight people have died there and it's like fact it's it's, not it's not a rumor you're like huh this isn't quite the happy land i think it is yeah and it's something that's often talked about too so yeah uh okay so this story is about john harder who is also known as tower johnny on friday the 13th of may 1983 17 year old john harder and a group of his friends went to king's island on the night of the graduation to celebrate the park specifically hosted graduation celebrations for the local high schools at some point during the night John and his friends got into an argument and parted ways. His friends recounted that John had been drinking and got really upset over a disagreement. He left the group to cool off, but the group hoped to meet up with him later. After some time, the group of friends decided to visit the Eiffel Tower replica that's located in the center of the park. The Eiffel Tower has an elevator that takes you to the top of the base of the top floor, like of the floor. Do you know what I mean? Like there's the legs Mm -hmm. and then there's that like base part. So you can stop there. And then the elevator also took you to um, the top, top floor that gave you a 360 view of the entire park. So Interesting. uh, Yeah, it's a very popular site. Now, the group got off on the first stop, but when they attempted to ride the elevator to the top, the elevator wasn't moving. As the operator was trying to figure out what was going on, some of the students noticed what looked like blood on the side of the tower. The operator dismissed it and said it was just a prank from the graduating class because they get stuff like that all the time. And that that does fit into prank. It does make sense. It sounds like the kind of, yeah. When the operator couldn't get the elevator to work, they called the maintenance workers to fix it. As the workers walked along the maintenance stairs, they discovered John's body. After an investigation, it was determined that John climbed over the protective fence, walked up the emergency staircase, and then climbed on a beam that was above the elevator shaft. Then, while he was distracted, the elevator's counterweight hit John... Oh, no. (laughs) Knocked him over and caused his body to be entangled in the elevator cables. Oh, that's awful. I know. My only hope is like he was unconsciously knocked over. I don't know. Um, Or at least if it was quick. Or something, yeah. When the elevator moved, his body fell and landed on top of the elevator itself. This explained why there was so much blood dripping from the side of the beams. Oh, man. Yeah. How long was his body there? Not very long. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, it was like the same day. Same. Okay. Okay. Because his friends were still at the park. They had just like separated for a little while. Um, Suicide was ruled out because of the specifics of his movements and where he died. They, didn't you mention they were drinking? 
So he was. He was. Yeah. I'm assuming everyone else was, but he definitely was too. Usually, when alcohol is involved, I'm sure you know alcohol might make some people you know who might be suicidal, whatever. But I think usually when alcohol is involved, it it almost is automatically said, okay, it was an accident. Yeah, a lot of times you just kind of think about it and you're like, well, I don't think they meant to do that. They probably sure. had a different idea in, in their mind. You yeah, know? exactly. It's more likely that he was attempting to ride the elevator from the outside to get a good view. According to students, this was a well-known rumor that other people allegedly have done in the past. Oh, okay. Yeah, the park denies this rumor. <laughs> of, but, of course they would. You know, arguably they wouldn't have known if they had been successful because they well, would have, like, climbed off. Well, yeah, I mean, whether or not people are doing it, you want to responsibly say people don't do this because you don't want people to do it. Right, exactly. The Eiffel Tower is still open and still very popular. However, after John's death, a second, more secure fence was placed on the perimeter. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's definitely no way to get out. It's kind of like that saying that every law exists because something bad happened. Yeah, actually. I, I think it's every fence exists to either keep or because something bad there happened. There was this, uh, one of the commenters on the YouTube of this specific video that I was telling you about. I, I was just reading it, and one of them said... Just when they make something foolproof, they invent a better fool. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Oh, man, uh, I like that. Yeah, I think it was like, I think it's a paraphrase of something else, but um, yeah, basically that's the sentiment that that guy had. Anyway, uh, the hauntings. John haunts the tower to this day. Guests rarely report anything, but the staff, on the other hand, seem to be targeted. During off hours, staff reported seeing Johnny himself walking around before vanishing into thin air. Others have seen disembodied hands or hear voices. Sometimes the elevator doors would open and close on their own. Other malfunctions would occur, like when they tried to send the elevator to the top, it would stop midway. When this happened, it was advised by senior staff to say, okay, Johnny, let her go. And immediately everything would start working perfectly again. Weird. Yeah. One thing that I found... That'd be a cool thing to, like, witness. Like, I know, I'd be like, like oh. let her go, and all of a sudden it starts working, <laughs> like, huh. Everything's, like, not blinking or right, freaking right. out. Oh, that'd be creepy. So, something I kind of found a little weird was that in the same breath, they were like, the, these hauntings are just folklore, and Johnny never died there. So I was like, wait, what? And these were, like, comments and claims and stuff like that. Like, oh, that wasn't true. Not sure if it's an urban legend or if it's real. Right. And I don't know if people just heard it so many times that they thought it might have been an urban legend. Maybe it's such a bizarre situation that people yeah. are, it's hard for them to believe on, on the surface. But when I looked it up, I mean, even the New York Times had an article about it. Okay, so it's, it seems it's, like this It's happened. real. Like, there was definitely a, a kid in 1983 that died in that very elevator, like, tower. Yeah. Did I say 85? I think it's 83. Anyway. There will be a quiz. <laughs> no. Wait, I wrote this. How do I not know? Oh, well. <laughs> um, but also people claim that that Johnny also haunts the roller coaster ride called the Racer. Like he kind of wanders around and that would be, I think, a nearby roller coaster. Mm -hmm. But others believe it's another spirit called the Racer Boy. Oh. Mm. Like it's a different ghost. Yeah, it's another one. The racer ride has multiple train carts that run through it constantly, but two of them were allegedly from another roller coaster ride called the Shooting Star that was located at the Coney Island Amusement Park, so the okay. original one. It said that during one of its last runs before they closed, a younger kid was declared missing. 
Immediately, they began a search and found his body at the bottom of the track in one of the dips. Despite dying at another amusement park, the boys attached to the cars and hunt wherever it goes. If you're lucky or unlucky, depending on who you are, while going through the tunnel, the racer boy may appear bloodied and waving. See, that one bothers me. You know how much I hate the idea because it of like something latching on. Yeah, that bothers me. That one like that gets to my nuggets, man. <laughs> oh my god. Uh yeah, so contrary to Tower Johnny's story, this one I couldn't find a verified article could or very something much like that. Be an urban legend. This could be the urban legend. Well, and I'm willing to believe it because it's it's got that little extra layer of oomph. <laughs> And, yeah. and it's like, if you're going to make an urban legend, you got to get the oomph or people are not going to retell it because it's oh, boring. Oh, right. You're like, so lame. So it's got that little, little zazzle. <laughs> the razzle-dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the next one. On June 9th, 1991, the park experienced multiple tragedies. It would later be referred to as Black Sunday. In one of the theme park sections uh, known as Oktoberfest, people would go there, drink, beer, eat pretzels, and admire the gardens. Sounds like my kind of place. I know, seriously. And if that wasn't enough for you, they also had some pretty chill rides that you can take. So it wasn't like extreme stuff like the racer or something. Uh, 22-year-old Timothy Binning and 21-year-old William Haithcote were at Kings Island for a company picnic. During the day, they enjoyed the rides and drank beer. By around 9 p.m., they decided to head over to one more ride before calling it quits. As they crossed the bridge, Binning reached over the railing of the bridge to touch the water that was coming out of the fountain, presumably to splash his friend as a joke. The instant his hand touched the water, Benning began to convulse, causing him to fall over the railing and into the water. Without hesitation, Haithcote jumped over the railing to save his friend. Unfortunately, he also suffered the same fate. Oh, man. The two men were electrocuted due to faulty wiring and, as a result, were unconscious. Nearby, 20-year-old Daryl Robertson was a security guard for the park and happened to be patrolling nearby. Seeing the two men floating unconscious in the water, Robertson also jumped into the water in an attempt to save them, which of course rendered him unconscious as well. As nearby guests witnessed what happened and cautiously attempted to save the men, one man used a lid of a trash can to drag them out. So he saw that, like, okay, something's obviously wrong. Also walking nearby was a nurse that once they were taken out of the water, immediately administered CPR and was directing others to do the same, like kind of coaching them. Now, here's the crazy part. All while this was happening, at around 9.45 p.m. nearby in the same kind of Oktoberfest park, 32-year-old Candy Taylor was getting on a ride called Flight Commander. This ride had the similar idea like the yo-yo where you kind of mm. sit down and then you're kind of swung around and yeah. around and around. Uh, except instead of one person sitting in a swing seat, it actually was a pod that would seat two people. And instead of being attached by a chain, it was attached by a thick hydraulic arm that also caused the pod to spin separately. So you're being swung around about seven stories high and spinning individually in your pod. Oh, it sounds, sounds like a good way to throw up. That's what I was thinking. And I love roller coasters. This is not me being a whiner. I love the yo-yo. I love roller coasters. But when you have, usually when you do like, like a two different kinds of mm-hmm. motions, like it actually, in my opinion, stops being fun and just gets weird. Because I like going fast. Like, oh yeah, look at this spin. You get but really when it's disoriented. Over, you're just like, now I'm just 
free fallen and it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, people like it, apparently. It's true. Yeah. Well, anyway, Taylor boarded the ride alone after two of her friends had rode it earlier. Mm-hmm. Once the ride reached its height, Taylor's pod turned upside down and she fell 70 feet. Whoa. Just 21 meters for the rest of yeah. Landing on the grass below, her friends immediately ran to her and found her unconscious, severely injured, but still breathing. Emergency services were called, but they were occupied transporting the other three men that were injured earlier. An emergency helicopter was called, and she was rushed to the hospital eventually. Out of the four injured, only Timothy Binning survived and made a full recovery. Wait, which one was Timothy Binning? He's the the one that reached, he's the initial one that reached in the water. The like the friend, guy. the first guy, yeah, who was going to splash his friend. So everyone who tried to save him died. Yes. And he survived. Correct. That's going to be some serious That would guilt. mess anyone up. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. Earlier that day, staff members were inside the pond working on it, so everyone was confused about what happened. Similarly, the restraints on flight commander were believed to be incredibly secure, theoretically making it impossible for anyone to slip out. As bizarre as everyone was trying to make it seem, two separate investigations were made, and these were the findings. In the pond, it was discovered that there was a faulty aerator pump that caused an electric shock the moment anyone touched the water. This resulted Haithcote to die of electric shock, whereas Robertson, the, uh, the security guard, died from drowning. Either way, neither men would have been able to swim out without any kind of assistance. The investigation also revealed that this could have been prevented if they had just installed a circuit breaker. Yeah, how, why would they not have one? This is After this discovery, investigators checked every single water feature and found multiple pumps and aerators also lacking circuit breakers. Someone's going to be fired. <laughs> yeah, this was absolutely the park's fault uh, since circuit breakers were totally mandatory for the last 20 years at that point how did the families not just sue them into oblivion i'm guessing they might have i didn't see anything i didn't see an article that mentioned it but i'm sure there was something but the park's punishment was a fine of twenty three thousand five hundred dollars. they think all those lives are worth oh my god that's the fine that doesn't mean that people weren't suing but we don't know that's ridiculous yeah as for candy taylor Investigators were also able to figure out what happened. Taylor had been drinking alcohol all throughout the day, and by the time she had gone on the flight commander ride, she had been a bit intoxicated. I'd like to point out before you finish this that this is going to be the second story where drunk people die because they're being (laughs) drunk and stupid. And I find it funny that this is like one of the few episodes in which we are both being stone sober. Interesting. Well, let me read on and you'll see. Okay. Let me also find my spot. Oh, there it is. Okay. The moment the ride started, she passed out, which caused her body to slump downward. Oh, no. This allowed her to slip between the two seats and eventually wiggle her way out by the motion of the ride, <laughs> which is so weird. I'm assuming she's a dainty person. Oh, she she was. I mean, by her picture, she looked small framed. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, then when her, so I'm mean, telling me in the future, <laughs> it's not, you must be this tall to ride. You must be this fat to ride. I'm like, I'm on it. Damn, Let's you're too it. skinny to be on this ride, girl. <laughs> but it's a, it's a delicate balance. Cause you still want it to shut down, like close on you. Right. Exactly. Right. You got to get right in there. The right amount of thickness. To it's ride. just, uh, <laughs> it's too much work. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So she had slipped out. And then her body was set free, 
And once that happened, her knee hit the joystick that controlled the pod's spinning abilities, causing her to do a barrel roll and her falling out. Oh, so if wow. she wasn't, if she couldn't control it, because you know how like sometimes you have the control to spin yourself and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. If that hadn't been there or she hadn't touched it, she probably would have been fine. It's the perfect storm of awful. Exactly. Um, something else that was overlooked uh, when boarding the ride, it was mandatory that there were always two people riding at the same time, even if they had to pair you with a stranger. No one ever rode this ride alone, or at least they weren't supposed to. No one knows why, but that night, the operator allowed Taylor to board on her own. If she hadn't gone alone, there's a good chance she would have also survived because the other person would have blocked that little space she had Mm -hmm, to slip mm -hmm. out. Despite this, investigators agree that the ride was flawed either way. Regardless of her being alone or completely intoxicated, her restraints should have been able to keep her in place. The safety of the guest should not be reliant on other people or whether or not they're conscious. People have been known to faint and not because they're drinking, but because their physical reactions to the ride's motion. They get scared, they faint, or get dizzy or whatever. We've seen all those videos of the people who get freaked out and they pass out. It happens. We've all seen this. And the whole reason we ride these rides is to be scared. (laughs) Right. And so people just realize they don't, they can't quite cut it sometimes. Yeah, we don't need to look down on that. No. I mean, I probably would pass out. I don't know. This is not a new concept, which is why regulations already existed long before Taylor's death. This was also 100% preventable. The Taylor family sued the manufacturers and settled out of court. The family also sued the park for overserving Taylor alcohol, which was also settled out of court. As a result, the park stopped selling alcohol, at least for a little while. Because I looked online, I'm like, really? They don't sell any alcohol? And uh, it looks like they do now. But I don't know. There must be I bet like they had to change their rules, stop it for a while, reevaluate. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you get like a ticket or something. I don't know. The flight commander ride eventually did reopen after a few modifications, of course. <laughs> but after Taylor's death, the ride popularity fell significantly, and the ride was eventually sold to Flamingo Land in the UK, hmm. which is still open. Like you can actually ride it or whatever. So I don't know, but no one knows did what happened out died there. On it? Yeah, I mean it's not advertised. I'm assuming. <laughs> It's just a guess. Um, So other hauntings that happen on the property. Seeing red glowing eyes in the woods have been reported by both staff and guests. There's probably a squonk. It's a squonk. Oh, he's just crying. Because he's not allowed to ride anything. (laughs) Or be seen. He's watching from a distance. Oh, no. There's another spirit or some sort of force that's attached to the Whitewater Canyon rafting ride. Employees often hear disembodied voices giggling and sometimes have rocks thrown at them. The staff have named it Woody. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, if you can't beat it. um, There's a snake in my boot. Yeah. So, I mean, staff members have also claimed like, yeah, they see something weird or someone disappear. I mean, there's a lot of little tiny stories floating Mm -hmm. around enough to where either it creates some sort of hysteria or they truly did see something, which, you know, I think sometimes why would you start spewing crazy? I don't know. I know sometimes but people do that. But it's easy to but... shrug off small things. Right. But if you're at a place where you know a lot of stuff's happening, you don't shrug off the small thing. You, you're you like, you pay attention to it, and then you tell people. Exactly. So I actually ended up finding a personal story by a former employee. So I was it on was a trip cool. advisor? No, I couldn't find. <laughs> okay, so first of all, it was so hard to weed out or to, like, find specific haunted stories. Sure. Because, you know, like, you, you can put in keywords and they yeah. kind of filter or whatever. But when I put haunted, it's always like, oh, the haunted um, 
event because that they always have during oh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And then I put ghost and then they'd be like oh yeah the ghost ride i'm like god damn and then, oh clever clever theme park like how do we hide people getting the ghost they stories? are we quite clever events. and they know me i'm lazy so i gave up um you, you, don't, you only go so deep in google <laughs> i only go so deep i'm like eh, it's already page two i'm out but like also when i would click oh, what was it that i was searching i was like ah i got them and then I'm like oh wait I'm stupid it was death or like something because like maybe if they talk about the deaths they there's something else that they're like I think I know why because and they're like nope there was people saying I was scared to death so anyway I couldn't find anything so this one's by April Adams she says I used to work at KI that's how she says it mm. Kings Island from 1993 to 2006 it was yeah, known 13 years I know she did for a while. It was known as Paramount Kings Island at the time. On the Whitewater Canyon uh, was her main place that she was working. It was 1996 or 1997. I was 16 at the time, and I didn't realize this haunting was so well known. It's actually really nice to know that other people have had similar experiences, and I was not just losing my mind. One night, I was closing in Tower 2 on the Whitewater Canyon. The protocol was for closing the ride when... The last person got off the ride. The boats were run through empty one time. That's a weird sentence, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay. This could take about that's, 10. That's a really common thing. To it is. Do you want to make double sure that, you know. Yeah, and I mean, we saw it in the movie Frozen with the, uh, <laughs> the chairlift and once again, a one in a million mistake. And then all of a sudden. The perfect storm. You're eaten by wolves. You're but, in a storm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this could take about 10 minutes or so. So I'm sitting in the tower looking out the big front windows when all of a sudden... I hear laughing. It sounded like children coming from right around the tower. I couldn't tell if it was male or female, but I called back to the control station to ask if there were still people on the ride, and they told me that the last person had already gotten off and the empty boats were cycling. Now, if anyone has ever worked in WWC, which is the Whitewater Canyon, mm -hmm. they would know that the tower is way out in the woods, a pretty lengthy stroll from the rest of the park. You have to walk down a very poorly lit trail, through the woods to get out there. There are no trash men, as she says, out there. So for anyone to be out there, it's it's really unlikely. It's the end of the road. Okay. Back to the story. I hung up the phone and waited for the boats to finish so I could go back in. All of a sudden, I hear little rocks started tapping against the side window. I got on my loudspeaker and told whoever it was to stop. I looked out the window and there was no one there. But the rocks kept coming. Then they started hitting the window on the other side at the same time. I'm feeling a bit bold, so I get up and walk out the door to look to see who's pulling this prank on me. There's no one there. But I look and I see the rocks coming directly from the ground up to the window station, and I told my supervisor what happened. She said when the boats were done, she would send someone out to walk me since I was so shaken up. <laughs> so me, eventually someone will go out there. Just then, I heard a loud bang coming from behind. I turn around just in time to see a large rock about 10 inches in diameter slam against the side of the door and fall to the ground. I ran to the door and looked down the steps. The rock was way too big for a person to throw from the bottom staircase, but there was no one there and it would have been definitely hard for them to run and hide before I got to the door. It was the climax of the evening. Imagine being in this tower alone in the middle of the woods with no one nearby. Very little lighting. Needless to say, I refused to close Tower 2 ever again. <laughs> but she continued to work there for like another for like ever again. Like eight, but whatever she's like, years. I'll work there, but never put me there again. 
So whatever it is, maybe she triggered it or it was just like a very active night. I don't know. Interesting. I want to see pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it looks like a, a theme park. It looks cool, you know. But I want to see what this tower looks like in the area for some reason. I don't know. I mm. like visual context. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did manage to find their slogan. It's, <laughs> it, it says, it's amazing in here. I don't know. That That's was all. literally <laughs> what it's their slogan is? <laughs> yeah, because I was like, oh, I wonder if their slogan's like kind of cool or whatever. But yeah, I was just like, oh, I guess it is kind of amazingly dangerous. I'm just kidding. No. Man, they should just change it to, can you survive? Can you survive? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> too dark, too dark. <laughs> but yeah, that is the story of King Island Amusement Park that many people have died in and presumably are still there. Well, I can say I have no interest in going, and that's mostly because I have a fascination with reading about dangerous theme parks and dangerous rides, mm-hmm. and I believe that the vast majority of theme parks are poorly ran, and that's from like I I trust things like Disney World absolutely. Sure. I, I think because I they figured that out, but and they get hemorrhage money. Yeah, these like fly by night ones that have weird names you never heard of out in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, don't know if I trust. Has these. been there for a little while, you know, since like the 70s, early 70s. The ones that like now reading this kind of stuff, I'm just even more cautious and, in fact, terrified of like traveling carnivals and like exactly you know fairs and stuff like those are the ones I'm like. Oh my god, this is horrifying. My parents instilled a strong fear in me when I was a kid because they apparently have lots of stories that, you know, traveling fairground rides mm-hmm. had a infamous history of breaking down and being dangerous. Oh god. Uh, and my parents had all their uh, had had enough to tell me that I I'd go to the fair, but I would never ride the rides. Like right. not the faster dangerous rides. Like I'd go on a I think like I've a, got, a Ferris I've done wheel. The, Ferris wheel's great. I've Love done the Ferris, Ferris wheel. I've done the I've done the yo-yo. Which now that I think about it, how dangerous it's just like a chain. Yeah, right? I did it, and <laughs> like, you're shit. the first one to make me do a fair ride, and it was the yo-yo. And uh, that was I wrong. admit it was fun. Oh no, this was in Scotland. Didn't we do that one? No, we didn't do that oh, one. Oh, we didn't. No, this one was here. This was okay. the Albuquerque State or New Mexico State Fair. And I remember telling you, I was like, if I die, I'm haunting you because <laughs> I was like <laughs> worried about it. And I still, I even now, even though it was all fine and good, I was still like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I broke my rule. I think like, this was obviously before I had heard so many horror stories. I'm like, it's fine. Everyone's doing it. And then I did it. But I also think people have an obsession with, the idea of making carnivals and whatnot haunted. Oh, circus is haunted too. Yeah. But I think there's the idea of a carnival having some creepy things to it, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't know why we do it, because I see it too. And you see it theme too in, mm-hmm. like, horror movies, and you see it in video games. A lot of, yeah, a lot of video games we play have haunted Abandoned know, circuses or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, even your favorite level in our game Left 4 Dead 2 is uh, <laughs> Dark Carnival. and yeah, It is my favorite. Yeah. Well, it was a good story. I liked it. It was Yay. awesome. Yay. I'm glad. It's kind of different, but I was really enjoying it, so I went with it. I think it's really good. Uh, poor people who died, but I, that that seems like the kind of thing that would haunt. Like I know. Those are, those are, those are the kinds of deaths so, that result in hauntings, so, if you ask me. So, so traumatic. I agree. Well, how about we take a quick break, come back, because I got a story for you. All right. All right, y'all. I have my water and I'm ready for a taste of story. <laughs> well so, hydrated I am. So before I get to my actual story, I have a small end of episode update. I've had a few people ask me about the NASA presentation that came out a few weeks ago in which they claim to have investigated over 800 UFO instances. Mm. Well, 
I have heard about it. Don't worry. However, the presentation didn't go into any specific detail, and they claim that they are going to release a full report in July. So I'm going to wait until the report is out because mm-hmm. I could talk to you about it, but since there weren't really any details, there's nothing really, like, scary because we just don't know much. So I'm going to wait until right. that report before I really talk about it. So it's coming, but we're, we got to wait for that. All right. Now it's time for my story. Just before the whole Reddit catastrophe that is currently unfolding started, I saw a rather intriguing Today I Learned pop up. Mm. I had to run to Lily and ask her not to read the thread. Oh, that's right. In fact, I asked her not to read the full title of the thread. It was a long one, which is kind of weird. I said, the minute you read the first couple words, just stop. I said, I'm going to do a story on it. Please don't read it. And you begrudgingly agreed (laughs) because no one gets in between my boo and her Reddit. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We're bonded. So I loved it because it's just so fantastically ridiculous. And you may actually know the subject matter. Uh, I don't know if you do or not, Mm. but uh, get ready for some (laughs) creepy history as we discuss Benjamin Franklin's basement. Oh, what? Yeah, which also sounds like some weird bar, like some pop-up it does. bar. Oh, my God, that would be an amazing bar. Oh, well, after you read this, it might actually be a really amazing Okay, no one steal that idea. I will open a bar one day. <laughs> so Benjamin Franklin is one of those interesting historical figures. More recognizable than many early U.S. presidents, Franklin has a million stories, both real and fictional, associated with him. Nicknamed the first American, he was a jack-of-all-trades. From his various inventions, such as bifocals, to his research into electricity via extreme kite flying, (laughs) there aren't many things this womanizing-slash-diplomat-slash-printer-slash-statesman-slash-writer-slash-hundred-dollar-bill poster boy didn't do. (laughs) That's quite the title. (laughs) Including writing an essay addressed to the Royal Academy of Brussels titled Fart Proudly, Encouraging them, albeit sarcastically, to research improving the odor of flatulence. But it turns out his all-encompassing nature also treaded into the morbid and the macabre. Before the American Revolution, Franklin had a residence in London located at 36 Craven Street. Despite being a traitor to England, his undeniable importance meant his residence also had historical value. In 1998, a group was in the process of converting the old building into a museum, which exists today Mm. and can be visited. It is understandably called the Benjamin Franklin House. However, it was during the renovation and construction that they found something rather unexpected. While excavating, they discovered a hidden basement chamber. Oh, Jesus. While digging in this chamber, workers recovered more than 1,200 bones and bone (gasps) fragments which were believed to belong to at least 15 different bodies. Oh, no. Six of which were children. Oh, my. Oh, Benjamin Franklin, who are you? (laughs) I'm not making this up, by the way. We're going to go into it. Uh, Okay. And if you're like me, your first thought is, well, London is old. You dig anywhere, and you're (laughs) likely to find something ancient. Like, finding bodies isn't going to be that weird. You know, finding old Roman stuff and everything. Right. Only these bones were dated to having been... From literally Franklin's time in the house. Uh, okay. So before we begin to rewrite our mental history of which old BJ was a serial killer, <laughs> let's dig a little deeper. But first I'd like to point out how perfectly this ties in with our own little backyard discovery I mentioned at the beginning I of our know. podcast. It turns out for a time that a man with the name William Hewson lived at the house. 
Houston was married to Franklin's landlady's daughter. That's a mouthful. Mm. <laughs> and when he was living there for considerable amounts of those times, they were both living there. Franklin and this guy were living in the same house. Okay. At least that's what I was reading. They were friends as well. And he even wrote about this guy's like previous interactions with other people. Like it's, it, it, they knew each other and they were friends. Okay. It turns out that Houston studied anatomy and is credited for isolating, if I pronounce it correctly, fibrinogen, a key protein the body uses in blood clotting. Huh. Houston eventually opened his own anatomy school. Whether it was at that house or very near it, I'm not sure. It was said that the anatomy school was at Craven, and I'm okay. not sure if they mean that specific place is, or right next is to that it. that Craven or another Craven? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But researchers at the London Institute of Archaeology at University College London seem to think that all of these bones are the result of Hewson's work. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, anatomical study has long been a controversial and morbid affair. It often involved stealing corpses, whether from hospitals or graveyards, and dissecting them for study. This was not legal, and it was done in secret. Two of the most famous grave robbers were William Burke and William Hare. They found it to be so lucrative that they went beyond just grave robbing and began (laughs) killing people to sell the bodies to doctors and hospitals for study. It's actually a fantastic story and perhaps one we will talk about at some point in the future. They've even made movies about it and everything. Oh, yeah. I think it's 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 pretty popular. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of helps demonstrate what was going on at the time, even though I think their story happened a little bit later. Because I think theirs is early 1800s and we're going like 40 years earlier or something. I could be wrong. All right. All right. But it's easy to be disgusted by the thoughts of these acts. But if we're being honest, there's a significant amount of modern medicine that likely owes some level of debt to these nefarious acts. I'm not excusing it, but I'm just pointing out that we live in a world built on the advances made through many horrible things. Oh, yeah. And this would have been one of them. Like, our medical field, some of these people might have actually discovered things and helped advance science, and it was really awful how we did it. unethical ways. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's... It's due in psychology. It's due all types of medicine. So how sure are we that these are bodies that were used in study and not some disgusting side project of a deranged madman? Well, the fact that many of the bones had evidence of dissection really pushes this theory forward. For example, the skulls had evidence of trepanation and clean cuts through bones. Mm. Other things found amongst the human bones include a turtle spine, mercury, which was often used, they would inject mercury into bodies and it would fill up all the veins. And then when it would harden, you could find out what the vein systems look like. Yeah. Yeah. And they also even found microscope slides. So, I mean, that seems like a pretty obvious one. I mean, now I'm just worried that serial killers hear this and they're like, I'm just going to sprinkle microscope slides over some bodies (laughs) or something. Some microscope slides. So the real question is whether Benjamin Franklin knew this was happening in his flat. Ah, uh, yeah. And the answer is we don't. This could have been done in secret, sure. But Franklin, as we have established, was a very smart man. He knew what Houston's studies comprised, and it wouldn't take much to put two and two together. <laughs> Most of you believe that Franklin was very aware this was happening. What we don't know is whether or not he was involved in the actual procedures, mm-hmm. and we may never know. So we can assume he knew this was happening. He probably knew they were burying him on the property. But maybe he was there, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was curious. I don't know. It's kind of weird. He could have been like, I'm not even going to touch that. I don't know. I don't know. When you let someone dissect bodies in your house, I have a feeling if you're going to let them do that, you're also the kind of person who might go watch. I guess it's true. Yeah. All I do know 
is that me and Ben Franklin have three things in common. Oh, God. We're Americans. <laughs> we find farts funny. And we both have bones buried in our house. Nice. Yeah, those are some interesting qualities. And that's my story. Oh, my God. It's so weird. But it I is really, it. really weird. And if I'm not mistaken, because I went to the site, uh, some of these bones are on display at the museum. Oh, Wow, I mean, I guess that's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, like a, a skull and a femur that was like cut cleanly through, things like that. Nice. So that would be pretty cool to check out. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever get back to London. It's not high on my list. But, right. But uh, if, if we do, this would be a cool thing to check out for sure. Yeah, I wish we had known. I mean, who knows, but that's ah, kind of a wild story. Old Benjamin Franklin. Actually, I named my plant after Benjamin Franklin, my pothos. Um, because they're both sassy bitches, as I discovered. So if you're ready for my dad joke of the day, uh, quick quiz, how many bones did I say they found? Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, you said 15, the bone of 15 bodies, I think. Yeah. Don't worry. The answer is hunnids. Hunnids. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was a dad joke. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the worst joke ever. <laughs> well, I'm so glad we ended the episode like that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Well, anyway, thank you, Chase. Thank you for that horrible, <laughs> horrible story. No, I'm just kidding. No, I really liked it. Thank you. So I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Yeah. And I think we need to go to bed so we can go wake, wake up, up early. Yeah. <laughs> we got some exciting stuff coming for the next episode. So yeah. Be prepared. <laughs> if this is your first episode with us, hello, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If this isn't your first episode... I love you. <laughs> Remember, you can always email us at hotwpodcast at gmail.com with story suggestions of your own or some sort of spooky experience for our next listener's episode. And as we always say, if you find yourself having a work week hangover or a I have to wake up early and I'm delirious kind of hangover, well, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. Bye.